0: Well, uh folks, we are in our last lesson of our study through Colossians and Philemon and uh we're going to look at verses 8 through 25 today in uh, the letter to Philemon. Philemon is one of the small letters. I told you it's one of the more personal letters in uh the book. We saw that last week as we looked at the introduction. We see that Paul does not identify himself as an apostle uh, because it's a personal letter. You know, it's a personal letter to Philemon, as well as three other people. We talked about that last week. So we're going to talk about why he wrote the letter today. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and start off this discussion here with, just to help you to understand, this letter is going to be talking about a runaway slave. Slavery was very much a part of the Roman culture. In fact, it's estimated that a majority, I think 75% or more of the Roman world were slaves. Did you understand what I'm saying? Very few people were free citizens. Okay, or citizens, or free men or citizens. Most people were slaves. In fact, it was so unusual, slaves owned slaves that's how the roman culture was okay now because of that now it's, when you think of slavery don't think in terms of american slavery okay in the south roman slavery was somewhat similar but a lot different in the sense that you could have a slave and that slave could be wealthy you could have a wealthy slave although he was owned by somebody else because i said slaves could own slaves and they could be managers you know, they could be shopkeepers, you know, it, 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 it just was not just some field laborer, okay? But, and the situation is, is that whoever owned them basically had the power of the sword. What does that mean? Well, in, in Roman culture, the power of the sword meant that they had the right to execute if they needed to, if there were, there were wrong offenses. In fact, the father of the home, in fact roman culture very much stressed that the father had the power of the sword like if your children were not doing right and you just you just wanted to eliminate a problem you could you could throw your kids in chains in the dungeon if your villa had one you know that that's that was the culture of the time so i want you to understand that was the culture why am i saying that because sometimes the apostle paul is falsely accused of being condoning, condoning slavery. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's, he's falsely accused of condoning slavery because he didn't speak out against it. And, and I want to just remind you of something here. I want you to get everything in perspective here. In this time when the letter was written, how popular was Christianity? It was just starting out. Okay? They were, they were seen kind of as an irritation. Okay, and accusations were made against them. They were persecuted. So, and how popular was the Apostle Paul? Nobody knew who he was. Did you understand what I'm saying? The churches maybe knew who he was, but even Paul says in his own letters that, like, even the churches throughout Judea didn't even know him face to face. They maybe heard about him, but they didn't know who he was. Okay, so Paul is is his his purpose in writing these letters, or when he talks about slavery in some of his letters, his purpose isn't ...to talk about how wrong it is. He's talking about how to live with it. How to live in it. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's talking to people who are slaves... ...and he's talking about how to live in it. Now, this letter in particular, he's going to talk to a master. Philemon is a master, an owner of slaves. And he's going to talk to this owner and make an appeal to him on the basis of Christianity about what he should do concerning this one slave, Onesimus. okay, and, and so we don't want to bring in all of our cultural baggage into the letter and try to understand it from today. We want to understand it from their day where it was just normal. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? It's just normal. And he's talk, trying to talk about how to live in the midst of that. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? So I when I think of people who say, oh, Paul was... You know, he's not anti-slavery or whatever. I mean, you know, I think you're you're misreading things. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're reading it from your perspective, and you don't need to. So let's talk about it today. We're going to look, first of all, the basis of the request. Let's look at verses 8 and 9. And we're going to see where Paul comes from on this. And And he's making a personal request here, okay? Therefore, though I might be very bold... In Christ to command you what is fitting. Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Okay, so let's look at the basis of the request. First thing he's going to point out here, Paul's not making the request on the authority of his apostleship. He says right off the bat, verse 8, you know, he said, I could come to you and command you to do what I need you to do in the authority of Jesus Christ. So he knows that he has the authority to tell him what to do. Let's just back up for a moment. Different church era, isn't it? How many of you, I mean, if, if there were apostles today, okay, The concept of an apostle coming and and having the authority in Christ to just tell you what to do, what, what do you think about that? I mean, that's totally foreign to us today. I know there are some churches where the preacher tells them everything to do, but that's not the way we're wired, is it? That's really difficult for us to think in terms of somebody having that kind of authority to be able to tell you, you need to do this. That's the kind of authority the apostle had. Period. In fact, you say, well, why would we listen to a guy like that? you got to understand the abilities of the apostle. Like, have you read the book of Acts lately? And in the book of Acts, you'll see one of the apostles, and if he's upset with somebody, they're not doing right, he'll say, okay, you're blind. And they'll be blind. Or Ananias the fire. Why would you lie to the Holy Spirit like that? And they drop dead in front of them. That would you pay attention to somebody who had that kind of authority? Yes, okay. That's why nobody has that authority today. Nobody can do that today. Even though how many of you have heard there are some groups that are that are quote they have apostles today or they're they're laying hands on apostles today? Folks, nobody can do what they did. Do you understand what I'm saying? Nobody can do what they did. But I want you to notice something. He has that kind of authority. But he turns around and says I'm not coming to you on that basis. Though I could command you, I'm not going to come to you on that basis. I'm not coming to you on the basis of who I am as an apostle. What's he doing here? He's making his request for the sake of love as a prisoner of Christ. He's making the request for the sake of love, for for doing the right thing. For the sake of love, the love of Christ. He also points out, not just as a prisoner, but aged. He calls himself aged, meaning he's getting older. Okay? So, he's not doing it on the basis of his apostleship. He's coming to Philemon in this letter and and approaching him on the basis of what? Love. Love. So now look and see, we're going to see the plea for Onesimus. We're going to look at verses 10 through 22. This is where we're going to spend... Most of our time. Let's look here. Verse 10. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you and now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing. That your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntarily. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Okay, so let's look here. First thing we're going to see in verse 10 is why Paul's writing. Paul is making a request for Onesimus, who had become a believer while in prison. What we know from church history is that Onesimus was a slave. And somehow, whatever, at this time Onesimus wasn't a believer. He was a slave of Philemon, and he escaped. He left Philemon. He ran away. And I think he, when he ran away, he may have stolen some things okay may have stolen some things or damaged some things or damaged and stolen some things but he ran away ended up in Rome and ended up in prison with Paul talk about isn't that isn't that kind of weird Paul the friend of Philemon Philemon's slave runs away ends up in prison with Paul there's are there such things as coincidences no not with God there aren't okay? So, while he's with Paul in prison, Onesimus gets saved. Onesimus comes to the Lord, commits his life to Christ. And so now, Paul knows who he is, so it's gotta come up in conversation. Say, hey, where are you from, Onesimus? Oh, I'm from Colossi. Oh, really? I got a buddy in Colossi. His name's Philemon. Do you know him? Can you see the conversations happening? You know? And then, of course, the truth comes out. And Paul knows that he's got to do something, so that's why he's writing this letter. And he's writing this letter to make a request concerning Onesimus. Okay? To make a request concerning Onesimus. So, Paul recognizes that Onesimus was once a problem, but now he's changed. Okay? He recognizes that Onesimus was once a problem to Philemon. And it wasn't and you guys know that you know you're human beings, you've been around a long time, you've interacted with people. you know that it wasn't just the one time thing running away. I'm sure that Onesimus wasn't the perfect person up until that time. Did you understand what I'm saying? He probably wasn't irritant or getting in trouble or doing something before that happened. Did you understand? and before the incident where he ran away, all right, but now Paul's saying. Yeah, he was once a problem to you, but he's changed now. Okay, so the apostle is saying to Philemon, Yeah, I understand he was a problem, but he's changed now. So here's the request. Paul is sending him to Philemon, who is requested to send him back in love. Now isn't this interesting? This is this is ex I mean, think about it. You think Paul's taking a gamble here? Anybody, you think Paul's taking a gamble? I mean, he didn't send the letter beforehand. He's sending the letter with Onesimus. So I remember now, in their culture, who's got the power of the sword? The master. Okay, the master. So he's sending this letter with Onesimus back. He's sending Philemon Onesimus, here he is. I'm sending him to you. Okay? I'm sending him to you, and I want you to accept him back. I'm asking you, not as an apostle. Again, remember, he's not asking him as an apostle, but out of the sake of love, I want you to accept him back in love. Okay? I want you to accept him back in love. Now, folks, is that difficult? I, I, think about that for a moment. How, I, I know that with this many people here that... uh some of you have had somebody do you wrong at some point, right? Probably all of us, right? All of us have had somebody do us wrong. How do you feel about the people who do you wrong? Oh, I just love them, George. I just want to go out to Danny's Burgers and have a burger with them and go watch a ball game with them. That's what I want to do. Is that what you, is that how you feel about the people who do you wrong? Nobody's being honest here. All right, how do you feel about them, Bruce? You want to punch him in the head, okay, alright. Yeah, that's, Bruce is honest, rest of you are like, oh, I don't know if I had enough coffee today. You know, there's more coffee in the back, folks, okay? You know, it, the thing is this, look at what Paul's asking him to do. And you know what? We don't know exactly what Onesimus did, but it was a problem so now he's sending him back with a letter saying, hey, accept him in love. Accept him in love. Now, Paul had wanted to keep Onesimus to help him on behalf of Philemon. Now, this is a big thing for Paul to do because obviously Onesimus must have changed because he was very beneficial to the apostle. The apostle says, I'd like to keep him. You know, I would like him to continue to help me. To serve with me on your behalf, I want him to be here with me. But I want him to be here because you sent him to me, Philemon. So I need you to accept him back. That's quite a quite an interesting thing he's asking to do here, isn't it? So here's Philemon's decision. Now here's here's what, here's what Paul's recognizing. He he understands the scoop. Paul recognized that he could not do it without Philemon's consent, which should be voluntary. First of all, you know, he, you know, you could say, well, you know, Paul, instead of sending him back, you're in Rome. I mean, he's, uh, he's so many miles away. Who's even going to know? You could have just kept him. No, Paul wanted to do the right thing. Paul wanted to do the right thing. And he said, you know what, I want him to be with me, but you need to be the one to send him. But notice something, he adds something to that. Yeah, you need to be the one to send them, but you I don't want it to be because I'm the one asking as an apostle. I want you to voluntarily send them to me. I want you to voluntarily. Because you love me and you love Onesimus, you send them that, that, that way. Did you understand what I'm like? saying? Paul's asking a lot here, isn't he? He's asking a lot. So that's the request. It's Philemon's decision. So Paul goes on in verse fifteen and sixteen and, and and gives a perspective on it. He's going to, you know, you and I when we look at things, we look at everything based upon right now the temporal. What can I feel, touch, taste, hear? Did you understand what I'm saying? What what do my senses understand? He's looking at every. We look at everything from the temporal. Paul's going to give another perspective, the eternal. So he's going to help Philemon to understand the eternal perspective of what's going on here with this request. And and it's it's a good thing for you and I to understand, okay, what's the spiritual dimension to what's going on in your life? Do you understand? Do you guys recognize that sometimes there's a spiritual dimension? All you got to do is just read the first couple chapters of Job. You realize real quick the the heartache and the pain and stuff that he was going through. You realize that there was a spiritual dimension. Okay? From Paul's perspective, there's always a spiritual dimension. So he's going to give an eternal perspective here. And here's what he says. He says, verse 15, he states that his departure may have been for eternal purposes. It's sort of like what I said to you earlier. Are there any coincidences, folks? Are there such things as coincidences? No, not if you believe in a sovereign God. Philemon believes in a sovereign God. Paul's saying to him, Philemon, this whole situation may have been for God's purpose. The whole situation of him running away and somehow ending up with me in Rome and coming to Jesus. May have been for God's purpose, Philemon. Did you understand what I'm saying? So you need to, you need to get the eternal perspective here. You need to get, get a, a different dimension of thought here. And the purpose was that Onesimus would no longer be just a slave. That he wouldn't just be a slave. He, of course he is a slave. But a brother to both Philemon And Paul. God's purpose wasn't just that he would come back, but that he would come back what? A brother in Christ. To Philemon. So an eternal bond. Not just to Philemon, but to Paul also. So here's Paul's plea. Verse 17 and 18. Paul is asking Philemon to accept Onesimus' On the basis of his relationship with the apostle. He's, here, Paul's what's saying, hey look, I want you to accept him back, not because of me as the apostle, but because of my role in your life. Look exactly what he says there, verse 17. He says this, but if you count me as a partner, a partner, that's a little bit more than just an apostle, right? That, that talks about some sort of intimate relationship between the two of them. If you count me as a partner, receive him as you would receive me. Do you know what I'm saying? Receive him as you would receive me. That's what Paul's saying here. He goes on. Paul tells Philemon to charge him for any wrongs that Onesimus may owe. Obviously, again, we don't know what Onesimus did. He probably stole something, probably damaged some things, so there's a price that has to be paid. But, um, And so Paul's saying, you charge me. You charge me for whatever it is that he did wrong. I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it. Now, here's what I want you to see. Paul talks about that repayment in verse 19. In his own handwriting, so remember I told you Paul didn't write his own letters. He had somebody with him write his letters. Some believe, scholars believe it's because even though he was able to see after being in Damascus, but he was struck blind on the road to Damascus, remember? And then he was able to see. But he he had a continuing eye condition, so therefore he didn't write his own letters. But occasionally, when he wrote a letter, he would take it and write with his own hand a statement. And here he's writing in his own hand, his own eye and writing, Paul states that he will repay. Even as Philemon owed Paul his own life. Even as uh, Philemon owed Paul his life. What do you mean he owed Paul his life? What's Paul talking about there? Paul's saying this. Look, I will repay you, Philemon, for any damage he's done or anything he owes you. I'll repay you, but you've got to remember something. You owe me. You owe me your own life. What in the world is he talking about there? Anybody got a concept? Yes. He's saying, Philemon, I'm the dude that led you to Jesus. You wouldn't even have life, eternal life, if it wasn't for me. Who owes who? Did you understand what I'm saying? I'll repay you anything, but remember, remember Philemon, you owe me your very life because I brought you to Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he's saying, okay, I'll take care of it. We'll we'll make sure you're covered. Okay? Now think about it. Yeah, did he say maybe suffer some loss under Onesimus? Probably. But it's not hurting him. And the apostle is trying to say to him that that loss that you suffered, yes, it's big in terms of humanity. But in terms of eternity, it's insignificant. Because I'm the one who gave you your life. You owe me your life. You know? So let's, let's, let's settle accounts here. Okay? Let's settle accounts. So, here's what he says. Paul says he wanted to have the joy of seeing Philemon do the right thing. Paul says, "I, I want to. I just want to. I just want to have the joy of knowing that you're going to do the right thing by this situation, Philemon. That you're going to do the right thing. So here's what he says. He expressed that he was confident that Philemon would do more than what he was asking. What could he possibly be talking about there? Maybe he's thinking that maybe Philemon would even." release Onesimus from slavery here's what we know from church history Onesimus would go on to be a pastor and a bishop both are synonymous in the in the early church pastor bishop they're both terms bishop means overseer it's one of the terms that describes a pastor and so we obviously know that Philemon did do what Paul was asking okay he did do what Paul was asking, uh, and probably more so, because this Onesimus would go on and be a pastor for the early church. So here he's asking for preparations now. Verse 22, Paul requested that Philemon prepare a room for him when he visited. So this is some confidence on, now you can make sure you got your room ready when I show up. Now he's in prison. Do you understand? He's in prison facing death. He's obviously assuming he's going to be there. You just make sure you got the room ready for me, Philemon. You know, he's, he wants preparations done. So then look now, verse 23 and 25, we're going to see the farewell. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, greets you. As do Mark, Eraticus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. couple things here. Just two points here, and then we'll, we'll be done with our lesson. Paul sent greetings from the brothers who were with him. Now, when you look at this list of guys who were with him, you, now you can see why we study this letter along with Colossians, because when you look at the end of Colossians, these are the same folks that he's sending greetings from to the Colossians, right? So it's around the same time period, all right? So he's sending greetings from the brothers who are with him. And then he bestows a traditional blessing on his readers. Look again here. The traditional blessing. What is that? The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. That's a traditional blessing. You know, that's really what we should be praying for all of us, right? Grace. Aren't we in need of grace? That's what we should be wishing for each other, right? Grace. Okay. All right, so that's fine limit. All right.